Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Gosh, what a reading for like kickoff Sunday, huh? Um, Jesus appears to be praising uh, theft and embezzlement. Uh, that's actually the Sunday school lesson today, teaching your kids in regards to uh, their allowance. And um, uh, we're also looking for new members to join the finance committee this semester. And so if this reading inspired you, we'll see me afterwards. So, but, um, I mean, when you, what, what the heck is going on here? I mean, this parable is incredibly, incredibly scandalous. And this parable is incredibly, incredibly offensive, isn't it? But that's the same with the gospel. You have to understand the gospel in order to understand this parable. And the gospel, when it gets right at it, is both offensive and scandalous. Now, why would I say such a thing? Because it's offensive and scandalous because the guilty before God, you and I, are made innocent, not just not guilty, but you and I are made innocent in God's eyes because of the death of the innocent one, Jesus Christ. The scandal and the offense of the gospel must be your lens to rightly understand what Jesus is illustrating in this parable. This is why so many people are preaching on 1 Timothy today in church, you know, I mean, it's it's a doozy. So Jesus tells the crowd uh, the parable of a dishonest manager who's wasting his master's possessions. And we read the the dishonest manager is called to give an account. And what happens? He's fired, bang, right on the spot. It's kind of like one of those things that like Chase Manhattan, you know, when you're fired from there, one of the banks, they just give you a box and like two big guys escort you to the, it's never happened to me, but I've heard. And they like just, they ask, and then they send you the rest of your stuff later. I mean, this is, he's fired on the spot and it leaves him in a bit of a jam. So what does the dishonest money manager do? Well, before word gets out, He goes and he meets all of the clients. He goes and he meets all of his master's debtors and he starts discounting right on the fly. You know, your debt, 50, let's slash it in half. 20%, slash it in half. And these discounts should tell you something about the master's customers. What's it tell you? Well, there are a bunch of scoundrels. Like, no one's like, hey man, that ain't right. They're like, thanks. You know what I mean? I mean, this should tell you everything. This parable, this doesn't seem very religious at all. I mean, good grief. This seems so counterintuitive. However, so is the gospel. So is the gospel. The great Episcopal priest and theologian, uh, Robert Farah Capon, he demonstrates in his book, Kingdom, Grace, and Judgment, he says that the dishonest manager is a dead ringer for Jesus. Can you imagine that? Our Savior is a dishonest manager, a dead ringer for Jesus, and he's a dead ringer for Jesus in three specific ways. Now remember, parables are not fables. There's not a moral at the end here, so be like the dishonest manager and rip everybody off. That's not the point. 
Parables are earthly illustrations of heavenly truths. These are illustrations of how the gospel actually works. And so the firing of the manager is an illustration of the manager's death. In those days, no one was taken to HR and reprimanded or any of that. I remember like uh, when I was a kid, we went to Holland and they had one of these open markets and uh, someone got caught stealing. And we happened to walk by where these like farmers were handling the dude who got caught stealing. I mean, they were, they were beating him up. And in those days, you were caught stealing and the penalty is what? Death. So, the firing is an illustration in those days of the manager's death. Now, notice what happens though. He still continues to work. So there's an illustration here also of resurrection. So the firing and the work is the first illustration, death and resurrection. And then the second, in the death and resurrection of this manager, what does he begin to do? He begins to erase the debts of the debtors. And these are scoundrels. He's erasing their debts left and right. And this leads us to the third illustration. He's associated with these scoundrels. And his demise works to their benefit. I mean, this is the gospel. And Capon writes beautifully, he says, quote, the unique contribution of this parable to our understanding of Jesus is its insistence that grace cannot come to the world through respectability. That's a hard word for Episcopalians, you know, in our J Press Blazers. Uh, you know, but uh, grace isn't going to come to the world through respectability. Respectability regards only life, success, and winning. It will have no truck with the grace that works by death and losing, which is the only kind of grace there actually is. End quote. And this is my first point for everyone today. The parable is an earthly illustration. An earthly illustration of the heavenly truth of the good news of the gospel. It illustrates the purpose of Jesus' life for you and me. That in his death and resurrection, Jesus actually wasn't respectable at all. And as we've heard over the last couple of weeks of the gospel, I mean, he broke the Sabbath. He was friends with sinners, tax collectors and prostitutes. And he dies between two thieves, scoundrels. Yet in his death, and in his resurrection from the grave, all for us who owe before God an unpayable debt, we're the ones who benefit. We're the ones who have our slates not just cut in half, but our slates wiped totally clean. And the master, what does he do? He commends the dishonest manager. And this manifests itself throughout the Gospels as the heavens are parted and they hear from above, this is my well-beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to God today. He is for you. For you. And so our gospel, then it moves in and Jesus concludes 
by talking about faithfulness and not serving God and mammon. You know, strap on your boots because here's what you got to do. Just kidding. Jesus teaches that faithfulness in little means faithfulness in much. Jesus teaches that faithfulness in things temporal reflect faithfulness in things that are eternal. And descriptively speaking, this is 100% true. However, this is where it also becomes a very, very harsh word, doesn't it? A word that drives us to the good news of the gospel. Because if you're like me, your heart is never perfectly lined up. My heart, and maybe you can relate, is most of the times divided. Just think about yourself at 2 a.m. It's keeping you up in the middle of the night. Think of yourself in the shower at 6.30 in the morning. Am I the only one? Our hearts get divided. wonder maybe if we shouldn't have made that right turn in Albuquerque. If only I would have done this. Oh, I can't do that. Or else I'll lose my shirt. I always vacillate between trying to serve God and myself. And most of the days, I am so busy serving at least, at least two masters that I fool myself into thinking that I'm only serving one. When in reality, I am just praying that my various and sundry masters never actually meet. However, Jesus, he knows this about me. And Jesus, he knows this about you. He knows how faithless we can be. And because we struggle with little things, and because you and I struggle with big things, and because you and I struggle with everything in between, this is what it means to actually be a human being. Our fears, our trust, and even our loves, they get all messed up. And we realize, we realize we have a ton of masters in those moments. A ton of masters vying for our attention. Rarely is it only simply God. Yet in those moments, in those moments, graciously convicted by the Holy Spirit, gathered in this place, around this gracious table, well, this is the place that you and I can bring that divided nature up and lay it down. And in that moment, a miracle occurs. In that moment, for a moment, you and I are made whole. And with one voice, we thank God that we have an advocate with the Father who is faithful and just to forgive us and our divided natures. For a moment, the body of Christ broken for you the blood of Christ shed for you, for a moment, our compartmentalization comes to an end, or for a moment, truly whole. This is my second point. You see, where we love wealth, for us, Jesus loved God. Where we pursue comfort and profit, 
For us, Jesus pursued poverty and death so that where we are faithless with little, Jesus for you is faithless with much and has demonstrated in his resurrection from the dead that he has now been given eternal riches as he sits at the right hand of his Father in heaven and he showers and lavishes upon you, whether you know it or not, eternal treasures, all of his grace, all of his mercy, all of his love, all for you. This, this is freedom. You can't get this anywhere else. You can't get this in a sunset. You can't get this on a golf course. This guarantee. This is freedom, eternal freedom. And it comes at us and it's offensive and it's scandalous. But it's the message that God delivers to you. And this is my third point, and I'll conclude with this, which I hope will begin to shape the way you think about your ministry out there in the world and the way you begin to think about your ministry with us here at Calvary St. George's. As Christians, never forget this, because the world will try and convince you otherwise. As Christians, Jesus' faithfulness is your faithfulness. And Jesus' perfect life is now credited as your perfect life. My brothers and sisters, you're that free. You're that free in Jesus. And you may not see it, and you most certainly may not feel it, but what I'm saying to you today is receive it, receive this promise by faith today that you have all that you need from God to serve faithfully in his kingdom. And I want to encourage you to say yes as we come up to this table and are nourished by him to go out into the world. Say yes, because God is with you while you take that risk. The gospel says Christ will never fail you and promises real joy to you as he's making you faithful in this age so that you will receive that inheritance of eternal life and eternal treasure in the age that is to come. And as we think about as a community this next year, in, we think about this free, not because we have to. We think about this because we're free. We've been enabled to want to, empowered by the gospel. So we move forward into the world with all that God has in store for us here at Calvary St. George's. What this calls for is shrewdness, real shrewdness in this city, the shrewdness of faith that cashes in on the good name and power of Jesus Christ. And really, like those scoundrels who had their debts canceled, live literally as if we have nothing to lose. Let's pray together. Father, where we are divided in this moment, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would make us whole. And I pray as we come up around this table today that we would be given the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the heart to follow 
where your spirit is leading and that we might be used by you as we lift up your name with nothing to lose, might be used by you as you've promised to draw the whole world unto yourself through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org give. Thank you for your support.